about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. A new era. An intro we'll never do again. The Four Horsemen Podcast. This is a familiar voice. Season one, part of season two. P Wagon's at the helm today. I'm here with Steve. Uh, Dylan is being very studious right now and finishing up his exams. Uh, so he left the two 30-year-olds in charge. Uh, so when the cat's away, the mice will play. And we have a whole lot to talk about since our last podcast. I think Isn't it are, ironic that the most mature one of the group like just barely turned 21 and then you have two married 30-plus-year-olds and we're just total, complete fools and idiots? We, uh, we certainly are. And, <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're just here along for the ride and we're going to have some fun with it. Uh, the last time we actually spoke uh, was on the eve of Marcus Freeman being signed as the new head coach of Notre Dame. Uh, we haven't done a podcast since, uh, but we're back. We have a lot to talk about, uh, and we hope you all enjoy the ride. If you are listening to this, I have a very happy uh, Christmas season. If you don't celebrate Christmas, happy belated Hanukkah and a future Kwanzaa. Uh, I don't know any other holidays, so we'll leave Diwali that was in October. Okay, well... There's, we won't get, we don't, won't get problematic here today. Uh, but really, just to start off the, the news that everyone's waiting for, Marcus Freeman's the head coach, Tommy Reese is the OC, we don't have a defensive coordinator, and uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? God, I love that, man. It feels good to finally be on a podcast to say officially that the head coach of the Notre Dame football team of these Notre Dame fighting Irish is Sir Marcus Freeman. I just anointed him as Sir. I have that power to do so. Um, I love him. I love him with all my heart. Uh, you know, on a serious note, I don't think that this guy has done anything wrong in his entire life. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not. I'm past like the joking parody and, and into like an actual real talk. Can anyone dig anything on this guy? Is is has he done anything wrong? The way that he talks is with such sincerity and just kindness and awesomeness. He connects with everyone. He tries. He takes accountability. He says all the right things. Man, if please, please, Lord above, on this in in this season where your son was born. Can you just do us a favor and just make sure that the man's performance as a coach and as a, a recruiter, as a head coach, is reflective of everything that we've seen so far? Because if that's the case, there's going to be a parade in South Bend. I don't know if they actually do parades for national titles in college. I'll throw a parade. I don't. I've never been to South Bend. I'm going. Once we win the national title, I'll go and I'll throw a parade by myself. So I'm, I just I love him, Coach Tom Reese. 
friend of the program. Shout out Chick-fil-A. Very proud for him. He secured the bag. Uh, it, it seems like you know a little bit of control is going to be relinquished from the head coaching position to Tommy. So, uh, so hopefully we're going to end up seeing uh, a lot more creativity and and kind of you know his own sort of spice that he wants to add to this program and this offense, and we can really see some explosion and um, and some EPA just to you know kind of cover our bases with uh, with Dylan and the analytics. <laughs> and uh, exciting time in South Bend, uh, Marcus Freeman. I love you with all of my heart. And he's a family guy. The interesting thing that you're seeing, everything that Notre Dame is putting out, uh, involves his family. His family, as Brian Kelly would say. Uh, you you see that. You see in the video, the introductory video that he did. Uh, he was on FaceTime with one of his sons. I think Rocco is going to be the star of the family, the three-year-old. Uh, today, Andy released a video. Rocco and his older son were in it as well. Uh, every single thing he's doing is revolving around his family. We knew Coach Brian Kelly's wife, Packy, uh, because she had a foundation, and that's all well and good. I'm glad she did. Uh, we knew about Grace, but like he he didn't. It didn't seem like he prioritized that. He was a coach, and he was a businessman, and he was a salesman, and we knew that. But you're seeing a total 180 from who that person was to who Marcus Freeman is. Uh, and it's a, it's just a very interesting change. If you compare the two, just from what we've seen, Notre Dame's gotten cooler. They haven't done the, any of those stupid dances. The recruiting signing day, I was on the edge of my seat uh, just because of how cool everything was. Uh, and it's, I think it's just a big difference. Uh, probably because he didn't play club football. <laughs> Probably the answer there. <laughs> and like he knows what the players want to do. He's a player's coach. So it, it's hard. I, I don't want, I don't even want to mutter that coach's name anymore just because I don't care about him. Like, thank you for your service here. Goodbye. It's the Freeman era now. For sure. And uh, going back to kind of the the uh, the players coach comment and in his players tribune uh, article that he wrote, which, by the way, was absolutely phenomenal. Exactly. If you have if you have not read it yet, just go to Google, type in players tribune, Marcus Freeman, enjoy yourself for 15 minutes or so. It's it's incredible. And uh, he expounds upon the fact that he says, yes, I'm a player's coach in that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a guy, a guy that can connect and relate and I'm going to be authentic with you. And, and, you know, we, we can yuck it up, so to speak. Uh, but also you, with part of being a player's coach is, is also being stern and demanding. And, you know, you're, you're challenging these young men to be all that they can be. You know, if, if you're a three-star guy that is a red-shirted junior uh, you know, heading into next year, and you know, he's he's going to say like, listen, facts of the matter are, you know, there, there's recruits that are going to be coming in here that are probably going to be talented enough to beat you. What are you going to do about it? You know, what are are you going to just sit by and and just you know basically play all four years on special teams in the bench, or are you going to work your ass off and do what you need to do to develop as a player on and off the field in order to to earn a starting or or contributory role, right? So I I think that that's you know, hopefully an aspect that he brings that he can light a fire and, and, you know, we're, we're prospectively going to be seeing in just, uh, you know, 
about a week and a half time, you know, how, how does he manage these guys, especially in, in the, in the heat of war, right? How, how is he going to manage them? And uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, and, and praying that everything that he's said and done so far uh, as a coach and, and in the media, it indicates that he's really going to just have a, a great control over the guys and he's going to be able to bring the best out of them. So I think that this is kind of the recipe for success going forward, where I don't think you're going to see big game laid eggs anymore. I, I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, I hope I'm not wrong. I hope I'm extremely correct, but is there anything else that you wanted to add on the topic in regards to uh, Mr. Sir Marcus Freeman? Yeah, it's really what we've seen on Twitter. Also, Everyone's saying that Luke Fickle was the guy. Fuck you. Huh. Fuck, like, that, that's it. That Point blank period. Fuck you. Luke Fickle was never the guy. If we wanted Luke Fickle, he would be the coach. Yeah, like, whatever. Uh, sorry. I had to say, had to say my piece there. But, like, you're seeing on Twitter, people who weren't Notre Dame fans pre-Marcus are now coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, Notre Dame's cool now. I have to like Notre Dame. Who's this coach? Blah, 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 blah. All this different stuff. And my my Twitter was blown up when I was retweeting stuff with Marcus Freeman in it. And you didn't see that with the former guy. People are going to watch Notre Dame now because they have a young, half African-American, half Korean coach. And this isn't supposed to be a, a race thing or anything like that. But when you see something that is the antithesis of, unfortunately, what the college football rants are, you're going to watch it. This is the second black coach Notre Dame's ever had, right? Had That's correct. Yep, I Tyrone, mean, obviously, the first. Right. So you go Tyrone, Charlie, Brian Kelly— Marcus Freeman? Correct. One of those things is not like the other. And it's Marcus Freeman being 35 years old and the head coach of a program. Mm -hmm. People are going to be more drawn to it, and there's going to be a bigger spotlight on him. His first game, technically, will be Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State. That's his alma mater. There's going to be so many eyes on him, and I think if he was a club football player, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But because he's been in the spotlight before, it's not going to be that different. So agree, agree for sure. And uh, last point that I'll make about it, is, and it's just to kind of emphasize yours is, uh, yeah, there was a lot of people um, that I interact with regularly, just, you know, kind of friends and and, uh, and just people that I interact with on Twitter uh, that I saw who normally will absolutely crap on Notre Dame and, and talk crap about them, uh, you know, both like openly on, on the timeline. And then also, you know, like to me, like they'll say, you know, playful, you know, comments and, and stuff, but some of it is, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit inappropriate, but um, you know, everyone kind of overnight, just the, the perception of Notre Dame as an institution, as a team, uh, it was exactly as you said, it's like, they're cool. They're relatable. They're likable. You know, there's this likable team now, and and yeah, I mean, it's we're coming on year what we're we're almost in year 33 now uh, since the title, but we we're we're absolutely back into relevance, and 
you know, just everything is just trending in the right direction. And and from from the perspective to have people really start to like you and pay attention to you at least a little bit and and basically cheer you on like Mina Kimes, um, you know, uh, one yep. of the, the yep, she's a, a notable reporter uh, that that did tweet out like, oh, wait, do I like Notre Dame now? Because she like quote tweeted a Marcus Freeman video. Like that's, that's a, that's a big, that's a big deal. Like that's, that's, like that's going to bleed into Notre Dame being in the national conversation in sports talk media. And the more it's talked about, the more relevant we become and the more, you know, in the ear of major recruits we get. And, and that's going to have a trickle down effect. Like everything right now is just trending so positively. And that's, what's so exciting. And the, even the, the very last point you can make here. When Brian Kelly came over to Notre Dame, he was hot off of the Cincinnati uh, bowl game. And that was great. He came over. We were very excited to get him uh, and all of that. But at the same time, there was always a cloud looming that most Notre Dame fans knew but never wanted to acknowledge in a public forum. There was always some type of bad news that followed him. I think the change that you will see will be the players who are Notre Dame men will stay around and the players who don't want to be Notre Dame men will find other programs. So that I, I don't want to expound on, expound on that anymore. You all know the tragedies we're talking about here. There's always that cloud, and now that cloud's lifted. We don't have to defend a windy game anymore. We don't have to defend anything that that asshole did. And now we're on to a new era with uh, probably better coaches here. Facts, facts, and more facts. Um, so just moving on here, I believe the next item on the agenda would just be to uh, to briefly touch upon uh, Mr. Kyle Hamilton, otherwise known as God. Uh, small G if, if I don't want to be sacrilegious <laughs> and uh, and then also one of my favorite players of all time Mr. Kyron Hamilton um, Kyron, it, it, Williams. Kyron Williams wow I, I believe I whatever I'm not gonna go there I'm just an idiot anyway um, yeah so Kyron and Kyle uh, it, it appears both elected to sit out the bowl game you know thoughts feelings commentary uh, message that you want to get to the masses, any of the above. Mr. Wagon, take it away, sir. It happens. Jalen Smith got gravely injured in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, and it affected his career. Uh, Jake Butt from that school in Ann Arbor, he tore his ACL, affected his career. It's not a college football playoff game. It's not the, the national t- final. I, it makes sense. Like I, people getting mad at them and saying that they're abandoning their university. Kyle Hamilton hasn't played since week six after a, he probably got a phone call from someone saying, Hey, pack it up. You're going top five. Yeah. So whatever. I, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss Kyron too. But there's other people to play. So. Of course. Yeah. I mean, DJ Brown has stepped up in a major way since week six. He's, he's been experienced. He's played some good teams. He's, he's played well. So, uh, as the, at the safety position, we know that, um, you know, nothing's really going to replace Kyle. I, I genuinely think he is probably going to go down as the best. I, I, I'm not going to say probably, I'm going to say definitively that Kyle Hamilton will go down as the best safety in Notre Dame history. Um, 
and and I think he's going to be absolutely incredible in the NFL. He's just everything about him is is practically perfect. And and you know so uh, you know DJ is going to be able to uh, to cover the back end hopefully. And then you know we we do know obviously at this point just from from seeing uh, a, a handful of guys get some more you know carries in time that we have a deep running back room. You know Audric Estime is is an absolute brick shit house. You know he's he doesn't run around you. He runs through you and then he taunts you as he does it. Like he he's an, an animal and he's obviously going to be you know the power back going forward. Uh, you know Logan Diggs he can scat around and then we have the speedster in Tyree. Um, so. You know, there's there's plenty of talent to fill that role, uh, and then also it's worth noting that the offensive line is also quite responsible for a lot of the success for a running back. So, um, you know, if we can get the push that we're we we hope to get, if if the offensive line plays well, then then you know our replacement backs should play well, right? So uh, I I don't think we're gonna, we're too screwed in either direction. Uh, it I I do wish that you know they would have played, but also at the end of the day, it is a decision, right? You know you're for these guys, it's intergenerational wealth where their grandkids' grandkids will never have to. I don't want to say never have to work again, but they'll never have to, you know, worry about money on, on you know, and and live paycheck to paycheck like unfortunately a, a lot of people do, right? So if you can, um, you know, not play one game ever and then just pretty much guarantee yourself that you're going to be set up financially for the rest of your life, I, anybody makes that decision. If it's a you know playoff game or a title game. Maybe I have a little bit different feelings towards it, but in in this case, I think it's totally valid, uh, especially for Kai Ren. I mean, you know, the average lifespan of a running back, you know, you know, lifespan in in the NFL sense, uh, is only three years in the league, right? So even if you know we know Kai Ren is extraordinarily talented, he picks up blitzes like nobody else, and I, I think he is the best running back coming out of college. I think he should be a first round pick. He'll probably be a second round pick. He'll probably be the third or fourth running back off the board, but he's phenomenal. Uh, and, and for Kyren, he's looking at, you know, th- three, maybe four seasons. If he's running backs are lucky if they can get to their second contract in the NFL. That's just a sad fact of the matter. And, and I hope that Kyren has a 15 year career and I hope he makes $150 million. Right. Uh, I, I hope he's, he just makes an, an astronomical amount of money and he just has a successful, healthy life. Um, and, and that's all, you know, he's starting his journey now. So, so good luck to both of them. Love them both. If, if anyone is sour about them leaving, you know, you, you just put yourself in their shoes. I, I get that you have that one game to glory, but you know, they, they, they are leaving knowing they have capable, capable guys that are going to fill their spot. They have faith in their coach and their teammates and in the institution, and they're going to make a once in a lifetime decision for themselves. So best of luck. And that's all I have to say. And, uh, just kind of on a related note there, Shane Simon uh, has also entered the transfer portal. Uh, there are rumors that a punter will also be entering. Uh, you heard it here first on the Four Horsemen podcast, Jay Bramblett. Uh, looks like he'll be leaving uh, Notre Dame, unfortunately. We uh, love so you. Those, well, love you, Jay. Uh, I will be following you to whatever school you go to. Don't worry about that. Uh, but Really, with that, you're going to see a couple more. We lost, what, Brent, Brendan Clark? Uh, he entered the portal early. He was a quarterback. Old uh, Dominion, I believe, right? Something like that. Litchfield Adjavon. has gone. And they're going to play. They're, they are going to play somewhere. And you have a wealth of riches. Uh, so it's always a good thing there. Uh, but kind of on the same boat, there was a rumor that Keaton Slovis uh, from USC was contacted by Notre Dame. 
which is fine. Notre Dame should contact every player in the transfer portal. The issue that I have is that people are acting like Notre Dame needs a quarterback. Everything that has been said, oh, they're a quarterback away from a national championship. Have you seen Tyler Buckner? Have you seen TB12 play? Have you seen Drew Pine in the limited experience that he had play? And we're getting Steve Angeli from the best public high, or private high school in New Jersey. He's not a slouch. You have those three coming in. They're all fucking dudes. I don't why why would you want to go get a Spencer Rattler who's a rocker, locker room C word or Keaton Slovis who just is a pussy? Like you, you don't need any of those quarterbacks there. Grayson McCall's coming back to Coastal Carolina. That's great. You don't need a quarterback from the transfer portal at all, period. Yeah, I mean, if if we're going to take a quarterback from the transfer portal, I'd rather have someone come in as a backup. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I mean, like, and, and if Drew Pine ends up transferring, because obviously it kind of looks like the keys of the kingdom will eventually be kind of turned over to TB12, and, and I certainly hope they do, and I, I think a lot of, you know, Irish nation echoes the sentiment. Yeah, you know, screw Keaton Slovis. I don't. I want nothing to do with him. He's a he's he's a bum. He's a loser. He's never beat Notre Dame. Um, he he's been on six and six teams or or worse his entire career. Yep. Uh, and and I know there's a lot more systemic issues at hand. I just you know love crapping on USC because I hate them. So uh, screw USC. Screw Keaton. And you know whatever. Now, I mean I I hope he stays healthy, but I also hope he just you know fizzles into nothingness <laughs> so looking looking at the quarterbacks in the transfer portal just real quick let, let's have a little conversation about this uh this might be the first time i'm ever on 24 7 sports by the way bradson burmeister formerly miami now virginia tech he is leaving casey thompson transferred texas to tcu uh just name i'm just going through names that i know not just mm-hmm. like backup backups bo nicks to oregon that's a good one for him um, Zach Calzada, the Texas A&M quarterback who beat Bama, he's transferring and he has three years of eligibility. He's a three-star. Maybe Notre Dame gives him a call and say, hey, come back up TB12. If you want to be a backup and get a, a degree. Or, you know, hey, compete for a spot. I, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think they'll tell him to back up, but come, come <laughs> compete you know for a spot. That. Yeah. Then you, uh, Indiana loses Michael Pennitz Jr. over to Washington. Uh, Quinn Ewers goes from Ohio State to Texas. He's going to suck. Uh, like, you, you see this, and Clemson's losing uh, Tyson Famachan. He's a three-star from Clemson. Immediate eligibility. Uh, he was a quarterback. Maybe maybe you bring another dude in to compete, but you're going to have three dudes in the room already. So I, I don't see any quarterback in here that really moves the needle for me. Jordan Yates would be the only one that moves the needle, which is weird for me to say. But he would be the one that really I look at saying, hmm, this could be interesting there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we it's it's not that I'm not opposed or it's not that I am opposed to a, a transfer. You know, Kane Madden, he was a fourth team All-American yep. uh, this year, uh, at least Ooh, for, for Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito went from Syracuse to Illinois. That's a good pickup for them. For Illinois, yes, it is. Um, 
Yeah, so you know, Kane Madden came in. Obviously, you know, the big one is is Jack Cohn, and and you know, a couple of years ago was a Lowy Gilman, uh, and yeah. then Nick, you know, Nick McLeod. So you know, there's been some guys that have come in and and, and contributed. So I'm not opposed to guys coming in in the right circumstances. Uh, I just think that you know, Buckner, true freshman, he's going to be a true sophomore next year. He's he's going to be 19. He's going to be more mature. He's going to have a healthy knee. He's going to have a, a full, you know, uh, at that point, 18, almost 20 months on campus. Um, you know, learning, uh, you know, the system under Tom Reese, you know, there's continuity there under, under Reese's system. And I think he can be maximized. He's, and he's got hella, uh, unbelievable talent around him. So, yeah, I mean, turn, turn the, the keys over to, to TB12, let yep. the kid show that, you know, he had 5,000 all purpose yards and over 50 touchdowns in the state of California as a sophomore for a reason. And then he tore his ACL his junior year and then senior year he missed because of COVID. So, you know, let, let the kid cook. And, you know, he's, he's such a weapon on the ground. He inherently opens up the running game as we saw, you know, with Jack Cohn, you know, with, with uh, lesser mobility, it, it did uh, unfortunately stymie us a little bit earlier in the year as, as we've talked about ad nauseum. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Tyler is so multidimensional. It's just, you know, he he is the guy he truly truly is so just give him the keys to the kingdom and, and just you know let let him just sit back and watch and i think he's going to impress everybody so i'm i'm all set with taking a transfer qb is i guess the to wrap up my my thoughts yep me too no no quarterbacks and just kind of on on the same wavelength there while we're on the subject of people yelling on twitter this is more just a, a conversation for us, but I'm going to let everyone listen in on it because that's what they do. And this is, they've been doing it for 70 something episodes. <laughs> uh, there are so many just weird Twitter accounts out there that that's all that I, I people just be normal. Like there are so many accounts online right now that uh, they're either overly excitable with every piece of news <laughs> or, they're just so bitter about everything. It's like, yeah, we have an account. People don't understand that our account's run by three people. People, I got a DM because I, I was I was chirping on my account uh, about the horseman for something because really victory lap, uh, victory lap Irish Katie yep. Bell's podcast. Uh, sorry, Katie. Uh, you won't be listening to this far in. Uh, but Katie broke the news of Freeman's hire. I was saying how no one gave Katie respect, and then no one uh, really gave us respect for that that uh, photo you put out of uh, Touchdown Jesus uh, lit up in green with the smokestack on it. Uh, and some guy DM'd the podcast account and was like, what's this guy's issue? I'm like, homie, that's me. So, like, it's just it's just weird and... People are weird on Twitter. We're weird on Twitter, uh, but the, people just need to like be more normal. It's just a PSA. Just be normal. Fair enough. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, I, and yes, I wanted to get it out there. As you do follow us on Twitter, it is just absolutely three morons just having fun just for laughs. But you can tell who's who on there. You, you, you can. If you if you listen to us enough, you can figure out who's tweeting what. Exactly. You you're the rascal. Dylan's the uh, the historian and the statistician. And uh, if you see an O U in there, it's Dylan. Yep, correct. If you, if you see any sort of weird Canadian spelling, that's Dylan. Um, if you see a, an S where there's supposed to be a Z, that's that's Dylan. And what else? Uh, what what do I do? I do the gifts. I do the uh, the content, and I also just 
do random stupid things that make people mad all the time. But neither here nor there. On to the next topic. Me and me. Now you know. Uh, let's talk about signing day. A uh, couple last ND things, and we'll talk about Christmas. Uh, signing day was super cool. We had a pretty big haul of individuals that signed with ND uh, this time around. Uh, and Steve, since you're the signing day person, uh, talk a little bit about what you know about the uh, the class that came in. Any surprises, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was cool to see Billy Shroud come in. Uh, you know, that we we have left to right five offensive linemen that are going to be re- very talented, and and they're going to push. Um, you know, perhaps not in year one to to make it their way into the you know the the starting role in the depth chart, but they're they're definitely going to be there for depth. And and as we saw this year, um, you know, it's it's open. Anyone who can fill the role. You know, Joe Alt was the the lowest ranked tackle that we have, and now he's just an absolute animal monster on on the left hand side. Um, and and remember, you know, we still have Blake Fisher, so maybe uh, you know Fish comes back left, and then Alt goes right, and who knows? Uh, but you know, we had the, we finished with the seventh ranked class. We did end up losing Devin Moore. He he uh, he flipped over to Florida. Um, you know, so it. But all, all things considered, and and we're gonna go into uh, significantly more detail here in in uh, you know coming weeks. We are gonna have like a specific uh, recruiting and signing day episode, and and I've been doing a lot of work uh, on that. You know, like we're talking spreadsheets, you know, for a, a very uh, uh, that that go on for for days, right? So uh, I'm just looking up the class here really quickly. Phil dead air, Phil dead air. Oh yeah. Um, Real, while you're looking that up, we did yep. sign Bryce McPherson flipped him from Wake Forest. Uh, the most on brand thing for this podcast is that a punter signed with Notre Dame when I was at Notre Dame, uh, which is just really kind of funny. Uh, Bryce McPherson, he's a sip star sailor kicking punter, top punter uh, in his class. We don't abide by the 24 seven thing. I saw someone saying why we only signed a two star punter. Kid kicks it 70 yards down the field. His name is Turbo Foot. His dad also follows me now, so we're continuing that trend of me being creepy with the punter's parents. Uh, <laughs> Tobias Merriweather signed. Already love his family as well. Uh, Eli Raritan, his dad played for Notre Dame. He uh, did just blow an ACL, so please get get right, uh, get right soon, but we love you, Eli. Uh, Tyson Ford signed, and then uh, coming to our neck of the woods, uh, well, your f- future neck of the woods, Jalen Sneed, uh, down in the Carolinas, and Ty Chan from Massachusetts. Yeah, he's about 25 minutes from me. So Ty Chan is a fucking huge human being, and he's only getting bigger. And it's scary to think that a uh, man can be that size. Uh, he's six. Oh, yep, he's six foot five, six six, three hundred now, three hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, he keeps growing. <laughs> And, and Emil Wagner, who uh, he was originally an Ohio State lean, then he was leaning Kentucky, and Kentucky had a very good class, so don't you know discount them. And and now he finally flipped over to uh, to Notre Dame out of out of Dayton, Ohio. So that was uh, that was kind of unexpected. You know, he's he's pretty highly rated. He's the the twelfth highest uh, rated offensive tackle and the best one best offensive lineman on the roster. But I guess if if I were to just basically uh, sum up the entire class in in you know a couple of sentences or less. It's dominating front seven. Yep. Uh, and and that's going to be on the, you know, when in terms of defense, I mean, the linebackers are going to be 
an absolute joke how good this this linebacker class is between you know Burnham Sneed, um, you know uh, who let's see uh, Junior Tuil Halamaka, and then also I just want to give the shout out and and not miss anything here. Who else am I am I losing my mind? Burnham Sneed, Tui Halamaka. Uh-uh. Oh, and and Nolan Ziegler. Sorry. Um, yeah, and uh, the you know the trenches are going to be full uh, in, on both sides of the ball. Um, you know the offensive line, as I, I did highlight, is is just going to be phenomenal. So we will go into extreme depth on that, but just wanted to say, hey, this is a really, really, really good class, and and this is just the starting building block for Marcus Freeman, and and we've we've seen. From you know last year's class 2021 to this year's class 2022, uh, you know the the market increase and improvement that we've seen in the quality of player, and I think it's you know 2023 is is projected to be just like an absolute joke. Like we're we're talking like historical, like the the best class in Notre Dame history over the course of what 100 and some odd years of, of football. So just uh, get excited, and we will go into more depth pretty soon. Now. There were was some other news that happened on signing day. Uh, Deion Sanders flipped the number one uh, recruit from Florida State to Jackson State, uh, which is great for an HBCU to get the number one recruit. Uh, but there are some rumors that uh, there is NIL money coming in to play. Uh, this is all alleged. Uh, nothing is confirmed. Uh, they're saying Barstool backed up the Brinch truck for the guy as a Barstool athlete. Uh, again, allegedly, no, nothing saying about that. It's all more of a jumping off point here. With Notre Dame's pull, with the name image likeness deals, with what Harrison Leonard's doing with our playbook, uh, shout out our playbook, big news coming soon on that. Uh, what do you think, or I'll phrase this better, if Notre Dame had the chance to land a generational talent, but it was tied up in a name image likeness deal, let's say with NBC, would you be for that or would you rather go with the number two option? Oh man, that's um that's hard. You know, I it's it's it has to be a, a you know a balance, right? Because name image and likeness, you know. It used to be that I could be outside the stadium. I could sell a T-shirt of Brady Quinn. I could sell, you know, a thousand T-shirts, make myself ten thousand bucks, just you know, using hypothetical numbers, uh, by selling a T-shirt of Brady Quinn. And then Brady Quinn goes onto the field. He leads a, a you know, a come from behind victory against. Well, I think UCLA is one of the the main games. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah that, was that was a great game. Shark with the last second touchdown. Shout out my memory on that one. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I've um, never seen that full game. Kind of a, I was, I was a freshman in high school, and I had to go be the water boy at my high school football game, and I missed the end of it. And sad. I, I've never seen the end of the game. Sad. Anyway, but you, you're selling t-shirts to Brady. Yeah. Quinn. So I mean, so so some some guy outside the 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 stadium could sell you know t-shirts, make himself ten thousand bucks, you know, go watch the game and and watch Brady Quinn in front of eighty thousand people on national television. Go go play a great game and win. And then guess what? Brady Quinn gets at at right. that point in time absolutely nothing, right? So you know it it should be that 
it, you know, if a player is extremely popular, you know, think like a Johnny Manziel a couple of years ago, if he wants to sign autographs and someone says, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks for an autograph or, hey, you know, I run a T-shirt company. I, I'll how about this? I'll throw your face on a T-shirt or, or we'll, we'll, you know, we'll make one and then I'll, we'll split the profits 50 50 or make some sort of deal. I don't see anything wrong with that whatsoever. These guys, it, it's it's your talent. It's your name. It's, you know. It's your image or your likeness, obviously, as as the the saying goes, and you should be able to profit off of that in, in a free market economy, of course, which which I obviously support. But uh, simultaneously, you know, a one point five million dollar deal, <laughs> allegedly, um, you know, backed by Barcel Sports, a, a a mega you know conglomerate at this point with uh, with one of the largest gambling giants in the in the country in Penn National, that's when it starts to get into murky water. It's just like, oh, okay, you know. Who's who's going to cut me the biggest check? That's where I'm going to play football. I think yeah. that's antithetical to the uh, kind of the spirit of the game. Uh, I so I, I think that recruiting wise, there has to be some sort of regulation in place. And and I'm I'm, you know, I'm pretty hesitant when it comes to any sort of regulation. Again, you know, free market guy, but at a certain point, you have to make sure that you're protecting in in. You know, the integrity of the game and the uh, and you got to protect the players in, in some aspect, right? You know, they don't let them sell their their soul, right? Because you know that eventually, if this goes off the rails unchecked, that someone is going to get into a bad situation. Yeah, and I don't want them to get into a bad situation where it's going to affect them or their family. So, do I want them to make money? Yes, make your money, live a good life, a hundred percent. But I think it, it it has to happen after they've stepped on campus. Now, I agree completely with that. Quinn Ewers is a case study right there. He got a million dollars in NIL deals and he reclassified at Ohio State to come out a year early. So he was a high school senior at Ohio State who made a million dollars and he didn't play. He played, what, four snaps, maybe? And now he's transferring to Texas. The un chet potential of what nil deals do it's crazy i'm in a lot of autograph collecting groups i collect memorabilia i'm currently staring at a picture of the blue and gold illustrative that with tyler buckner's run on it it says holy toledo uh (laughs) it's not signed though i think name image likeness shouldn't take effect until they're sophomores i'm okay with that because you know in in Again, these guys can leave early from college, yeah. but they it's also regulated to the point where you have to complete three years on campus. Yeah. So if you if you put those you know those guardrails in place, I think it it does more to uh, to help protect the school, protect the people that are spending this money. Imagine you just spent a million bucks as if you live in in Columbus, Ohio, and you scrounge together a million bucks for Quinn Ewers, and the guy never played a fucking down. It's just like what what are we doing here? So so yeah, I, I think there's definitely some validity to that. The thing that made me say that, I was in a collecting group looking at someone doing an autograph, and it was like Gabe Rubio, who hasn't seen the field. He's a hmm. great guy, friend of the program. But people are buying autographs, and I, I get it, they're resellers, and they'll sell them on eBay and all that. But like, Gabe Rubio hasn't really played. I just picked up a helmet from Logan Dids right before Kyron Williams news came out. Uh, That's pretty cool. But I already had a feeling that it was going to happen, but there's like these random players who are getting deals who may never see the field. I it's fine. I just think 
if they don't manage it correctly, there's going to be a slipperier, slipperier slope that's going to come into play. And you really just don't want to see that. You want to protect the players, but you also want to protect the interests of any university. We're not just talking about Notre Dame here. Just in general, you want to make sure college football is still college football and not just a business to do do a year, get out, play professional, and then what now the NBA is. Yeah. So that's my little soapbox there. No, it it all. I think it makes sense. You know, it, it, if we take a measured approach, if if we're making sure that these guys get their due, but we're also doing so in an appropriate manner, that's going to be in respect to all sides. I think that's a conversation that, as it makes its way into the national scene, you know, if if everyone just like it isn't over exaggerating about it or just you know has their blinders on, if if you can just have a nuanced take, I think you'll pretty much arrive at what we uh, what we surmised. Awesome. Well, that's what we have there. Now, I'm all good with football for right now. Uh, Stay tuned on Horseman Pod uh, for the annual bowl game hate week. Uh, It will start the Monday of bowl week and maybe even the Sunday if I'm feeling spicy. Uh, And we will go with the biggest manufactured hate for the Oklahoma State Cowboys that I can find. Uh, last year got us in trouble. With, <laughs> with uh, so the goal this year, this is my New Year's resolution, not to make it on a Reddit thread. So, if and to be abundantly clear, if you take our hate week tweets remotely seriously, fire yourself from a cannon into the sun. It's all just jokes. It's all just for the laughs. We love laughs. They don't have internet in Oklahoma. They'll never hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking for our, for the ND, you know, oh, yeah. that, that yeah, put us a whole on bunch of Twitter. Oh, don't do these guys making an ACT joke. Yeah, these fucking, like, people think everything on the internet is serious. It's a big problem. <sighs> Again, it goes back to the Twitter accounts. Have fun. Nothing serious anymore. Uh, anyway, we do have some fan questions. Speaking of the non-weird fans who are asking us questions, so let's uh, let's go under there. The first one <clears throat> from Johnny, son of the uh, Gustav. Do you think Freeman will be able to break ND into the top recruiting echelon of SEC teams, the Ohio State University, Clemson, and now probably USC? USC is never going to be a top tier institution ever again. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It could be Jesus Christ as their coach, and they're never going to be a top institution. Have Freeman, Freeman will make them a top, top, probably one or two, top five, definitely one, two, or three. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think this is at least a top five program going forward recruiting. You know, the guy brings the juice. I mean, like, like we literally, I don't think people truly understand. We may have an Alabama-esque class next year for 2023. That's how good it projects to be. We may end up with the number one recruiting class in Notre Dame history and the number one class nationally next year. So, yes, this guy brings it. He's not going to be out golfing in the summer as much as I'm a, a golf addict. Love the game. 
But if you're getting paid millions of dollars to get kids to come to your school to play good football, you better believe I'm skipping the course. Or maybe I'm only playing, you know, X, Y, Z amount of times per week. You know, you, you could fit it in. Jalen Sneed, five-star prospect, said that he came to Notre Dame in spite of, you know, Brian Kelly coming, he said, because, you know, Kelly was never really involved in his recruitment. He's from Hilton Head Island, one of my favorite places in the world. Do you know literally the one thing in the world that Hilton Head Island is famous for? Kiowa Island Golf. Kiowa's north of – Well, they have a it's golf. another island just north of Hilton Head, closer Hilton to Charleston. Hilton Head has a golf course. Hilton Head is closer to Savannah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's it's literally just littered with golf courses. If Brian Kelly, if you love golfing that much, go and play around a golf in Hilton Head Island and can go recruit a five-star linebacker. What planet am I on? Brian Kelly, guess where all of the best recruits in the nation are? California and the SEC territory. Guess coincidentally where all of the best golf courses in the United States are. Hmm, let me think real hard about this one. Brian Kelly, if golf is that important to you, will you please just go recruit? What are we talking about? And just to come back full circle, Marcus Freeman, I love you so much because you actually get it and you are going to get this recruiting up to the up to par of where it needs to be for this institution. So that's where I land. I agree. Uh, I'm going to leave that rant at that. Uh, we're not editing this podcast either. So oh, not not a second. Going live with all of this. Uh, so Benny, friend of the program, uh, why does ND have a hard time in terms of winning a title? We get into the playoffs, but can't get over the hump and win the big games. Well, Penny, I know you're listening. We had a coach who didn't care. At, at the end of the day, he didn't care about Notre Dame. He cared about himself. He cared about breaking Rockman's record. At the yeah. end of the day, you're not going to play for a man where the players are just saying, oh, fuck it, whatever. That, that, that's what it comes down. Like, if you look at the games, they didn't have the fire in Bama 2012, Bama 2018, Clemson last year. There was no fire. They may have manufactured the fire, but there's a difference between looking at a player who's like, oh, whatever, we'll play. I have fire in my belly and a player who will lay everything out for you. So. And not only that, I, I also just think game prep just didn't seem to be there, right? It just felt like every big game, we were always on our heels. I mean, yeah, we did beat Clemson at home last year. Uh, you know, people forget that we beat the number one team in the nation. They shouldn't forget because we did it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, DJ Ukulele, a true freshman, threw for over 450 yards and like had, like what, four or five touchdowns and brought us to two overtimes. And he was just absolutely cutting up the defense you know, Mac Jones, a three-star prospect. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Mac was was absolutely phenomenal in that season. Um, you know, it was just an RPO, quick hitter, you know, slot, you know, you know, throw to uh, to Devonta Smith for like 45 yards every single time. Yep. Just like make an adjustment. What are we doing here? Yeah, and then a couple of years ago, it was Dante Vaughn just getting burned like four or five times uh, on a go route. You know, put a safety over the top to help him. You know, so and and then you know we're just running the ball into stacked boxes on you know on 
on you know second and nine trying to run the ball. It just it just never felt like we were we were in it and playing like it was the last game we were ever going to play. It always just felt like, eh, well, you know, we're going to come out and we're going to we're going to play as hard, you know, we're going to play hard, but if we lose it is what it is, you know, we'll we'll get them next year. Uh, so I I just don't think that you're correct in that he psyched them, you know, he got these guys uh, prepared, you know, mentally and and then also just from a, a, an X's and O's standpoint, it just you know didn't seem like Kelly, you know, had had what it took, and uh, hopefully that that changes going forward. And yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, going from there, people just kind of in our mentions, just in general, are really talking about how we didn't get the wide receiver we needed in the early signing period. Isn't there another one like February? Like, chill out, it's fine. And the quote that really stuck with me is, "If you rely on the portal too much." Then you get stuck with receivers like Ben Skoranek. Steve? Ben Skoranek is an NFL football player. Ben Skoranek plays on Sundays. Ben Skoranek was a good wide receiver for Notre Dame. Where is this revisionist history that Ben Skoranek wasn't a good player? Where is that coming from? That's my question to you. Like People are crazy. Yeah, I mean, would would I like you know Ben Skoranek to be a Devonta Smith? Yes. Was was Benny, you know, in his own right? Did he come in? Did he make plays? Did he, you know? Yes, correct. He made the plays. He he had decent stats. He didn't really do anything particularly stupid. Didn't cost us any games. And you know, there there were some some big time games where he stepped up and some big time moments. So. Uh, yeah, I mean Ben was good. You know, you know, I'll I'll definitely sing his praises. He, he's he's you know playing on 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 Sundays as you mentioned. Uh, do I want a you know five star absolute animal stud like Carnell Tate to be you know for for next year's class to come in and and be a contributor as a true freshman? Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, if if we have to get somebody from the transfer portal and, and if they end up like Benny Sko, not gonna be mad. Yeah. So. That is, that's where we're at there. Those are the fan questions of the week. Uh, really, the the only other question that I have right now uh, for you, or just the the listeners out there, hypothetical. You have to pick one of these options. Marcus Freeman wins on the first. Goes undefeated. Loses in the college football playoff, the college football semifinal, year one. Or, takes about three years before his guys are in there, and then he wins. Which one would you rather have? Uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather just be in the playoff next year. Okay. All right, because if you have a full year of us going... You know, to make the playoff, we're presumably at least 11 and one minimum, if not 12 and 0, with our monster schedule next year. Again, you know, Clemson, a in theory revitalized USC, fuck them, uh, and then obviously you know Columbus in, in the big, not the big house, but the uh, the horseshoe, uh, which also you know screw the horseshoe and screw OSU. But uh, yeah, we have we have a tough schedule, and if if it means that we're 11 and one or or you know 12 and 0 next year, and even if we lose in the CFP semifinal, do you think that being a top five team or in this case, a top four team for 15 weeks and then having a playoff appearance. 
and and as a reminder, National Signing Day, early signing day, is December fifteenth, and the play you know the playoff games aren't played until New Year's. So there's a you have a sixteen day you know kind of difference there. Do you think that that's going to be beneficial for recruiting and for building the program for Marcus Freeman going forward, or do you think you know? Do you think that recruits are all all of a sudden going to start dropping like flies when 16 days later they see us get beat on the big stage again? I mean, I, it's it's not ideal. I hate losing. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I'm I'm taking that. I'm 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 taking the best. I'm taking winning. I'm taking the opportunity to play in the big game, and I'm I'm taking Marcus Freeman having more and more ammunition for him to fire off his recruiting gun because the man just works magic. So that's my answer. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I do think that title, the window's not closing. The window's probably more open than it has been. Uh, I just want to see a title uh, before I turn 40. Uh, so you got about nine years and a couple of days, Marcus. So uh, get on that, coach. Facts. But uh, that's the thing is I, I in that binary circumstance, uh, you know, just to be a little bit more nuanced, I think that, you know, a playoff next year a playoff loss next year means a national championship win eventually just because he'll have he'll have too much momentum he'll just have too too good of recruiting too good of talent too good of everything uh going forward so take the l in the short term and win in the long term is is uh the uh the theory here awesome i i agree so uh going from there we're going to leave this with a nice little holiday this or that so steve take it away Oh man, or whatever you're doing over there, some holiday thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was uh, I was gonna prepare for this. Didn't have an opportunity to because I work in finance, specifically 401ks. And if you know anything about that, which I don't expect you to as a listener, uh, year end is ash absolutely terrible. Uh, and I've been very busy. But we're going, we're flying by the seat of our pants. This How or that. How about both of us work in finance, listeners? You're you're listening to what amounts to the bid short. Right now. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know how to respond to that because it's so hilariously different from what I do. But anyway, uh, this or that, real tree or fake? Real. Uh, not my choice, wife's choice. Wife's choice. Okay. Uh, we currently have a fake tree. Uh, I, you know, I, I like the real tree, even though I'm I'm definitely allergic and it basically makes me a miserable piece of shit for an entire month. Uh, there's something about a, a real tree, the experience of going out there, cutting one down, oh, you know, fuck that, fuck that, cutting a tree down. Yeah, no, you know, no, you, fuck, fuck man you. has to dominate nature. Yeah, you know, no. you got to put it in its place every once in a while. Well, Give it the old I, haven't, I haven't watered the tree in about a week and a half, so it's oh. definitely a fire hazard. But. At the same time, we went to a tree farm with my in-laws, um, and we're looking around. This was right after the Stanford game, before we knew what was going to happen. Uh, so we're we're just looking around. All the trees sucked, uh, but then we saw the pre-cut one. So me and the missus uh, walked over there, got a pre-cut tree at a, a tree farm you were supposed to cut your own trees down at. Saved 20 bucks, uh, but no, cutting trees down are for the birds. So I am out on that. Okay, cool. Uh, next question for for the uh, the holiday dinner, Christmas dinner, because you know you and I are both well in theory Catholics, and so are most of the people in uh, listening. Just you know, kind of given the obvious. Um, so for Christmas dinner, roast beef or ham? 
Neither. Neither. Well, yeah. that, that kind of def- defeats the purpose of this or that. If, but <laughs> If I had to choose, it'd be ham, I guess. But I feel like only the only people who eat roast beef on Christmas Eve are Who's uh, from Whoville. But... <laughs> So we normally do um, Christmas. My mom's born on Christmas. So with that, we do a Christmas Eve dinner uh, for her. It's usually like ravioli. Uh, sometimes it's a fish, but uh, seven. No, just one one standard fish. We don't do all seven. We're, we're half Italian. Uh, so I don't know what we're doing this year, but yeah, if I had to choose, it would be ham. But I normally don't do that. Okay. Let's get boozy. Okay. Mold wine or spiked eggnog? Gun to my head, eggnog, but like just because of the rum factor, I'm not a fan of either. I, I don't like drinking, which is surprising. Uh, I, I drink to. I only drink. I drink to not feel things. No, I, I drink to party. <laughs> I don't just like. I won't just casually have a beer if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, and your answer, not a whatever malt wine is. I feel like that's a Game of Thrones thing. Potentially. Um, I don't know. All right. Last question for this or that. Sledding or tubing. Ooh, tubing seems safer. I'm going to go with tubing. Okay. I I ha- almost blew out my ACL when I was a younger kid. Uh, so I was like, I was like five years old. I was at Cranston Country Club and yep. there's this, yep, there's that massive hill coming up, uh, 18. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, kids in, in the winter time, they, they go down. So I, I go down the, the, the hill. I, you know, laugh, hee hee, ha ha, hoo hoo, you know, what six-year-olds do. Uh, and then I stood up and then I turned around. I went, you know, I bent down, picked up my uh, my sled, just just the you know, cheap plastic thing. And then I look up and there's, there's just kids just barrel ass and probably going, you know, like 30 miles an hour. <laughs> like Clark fucking Griswold, like when, when he sprays the, <laughs> that saucer just flying. <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah, he just like crushed me in the knee, but like, I don't know, I guess my reaction, well, I guess I, I might've jumped in some capacity because I, I, I essentially scorpioned, like I flipped right over my body and, and like, yeah, it was, it was an insane scene. If it, if it was on video and we submitted it to America's funniest home videos probably would have made it. And, uh, that's also probably one of the reasons why I uh, am constantly in extreme pain because my knees are killing me right now. Um, uh, are there any additional this or that scenarios that you wanted to give just a little holiday edition for the four horsemen before we close it out? Yes. Elf on a shelf. You don't have a child yet, but you've heard of it. Elf on a shelf or the pickle in the tree. We are a pickle tree family. We are as well. And, uh, that's just because my wife's last name or you know her old her old last name um, was p- some somewhat semi correlated to a pickle, uh, the the name of a, a specific pickle. So uh, it, it's uh, it was just uh, humorous that when I first met her and had our first Christmas together, that was actually the first time I learned of that tradition. So I'm going with the uh, the pickle, and and you said you are as well. Yeah, uh, Elf on the Shelf creeps me out a little bit. It's just a little little bit too much. 
Yeah, I, I was listening to a podcast today with uh, you know, a father who was talking about his experience with it, and he said now he's like, you know, his uh, his his wife or you know, significant other had uh, he started writing letters to the kids, and now he has to start writing letters like with regularity, uh, just saying like, hey, you know, I saw you you know, punch your your sister the other day. You got to be a good boy, and uh, you know, if you do that once in a while, you know, that's that's fun and cute. If you have to start writing a letter every single day for the entire month of December. That can get, that can be mortifying. Yeah, it's, it's let, let's just stop Elf on the Shelf. Just, just stop it. Like, I don't know if we can start a movement on that, but like, I, I'm, I'm anti, very anti. I'll hide all the pickles in the world, live pickles, fake pickles, <laughs> any type of pickle in the tree. I'm fine with that, but like, I don't need this whole otherworldly elf shit going on. Fair enough. And uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, last one. When you're decorating the house, do you light your house like Clark Griswold does? Or inflatable? I will never have an inflatable. I'm a lights guy. It just feels right. It just feels natural. I don't know. I The inflatables, are you know, they are in theory easy. You, you just blow them up and, and let it fly. But I don't know. There's something about Christmas lights that do it for me. How about you? I would rather an inflatable, but again, wife's choice, lights. But that's only because me at 250-some-odd pounds had to climb across my roof to hang <laughs> up the lights. Uh, so it doesn't work well. Uh, and I'm also afraid of heights. So I was on a roof hanging up the lights. It could have ended poorly. Yeah, for sure. So. And to put a, a bow on it, get it, bow, Christmas, Ooh, presents, gifts, boom. Um the moral of the story, whatever your wife says, you have to do. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, and with that, uh, that's all I got. Uh, we will My be My wife back. is telling me to come upstairs because it's time for bed. So yes, me thank too. you, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. All the other. Sort of, Kwanzaa. Yep. Everything. The whole nine. Um, Jesus, happy birthday. Shout out. Uh, Marcus Freeman, I will bury a body for you and tell nobody. Uh, I, you know, we, I think we're going to try to get in one more episode, uh, just prior to the, um, just prior to the big game. Uh, you yes. know, hopefully middle of next week or early next week would be uh, somewhat ideal. Just kind of depends on uh, a lot of things, but, uh, that's, that's kind of my closing comments. Thank you everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you, everybody, so much for, for riding along with us. Last episode that we had doubled up everything that we've ever had. It was extremely, extremely successful, and, and obviously it was a wild time. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of likes. There was a lot of sharing. Uh, so if you can, find it in your hearts to uh, just go and, and just you know take 10 seconds out of your day. Give us a five-star review. Give us some comments. Even if the comments are derogatory and mean, as long as it's a five-star review, uh, we, we do love and appreciate you and, and we'll ride with you guys and in, into, uh, into the, into the new year here. So that's, uh, that's what my, my piece. How about you? Yeah. Well said. Um, other than that, Dylan, good luck in your finals. If you are listening to this, um, and we'll be back. Notre Dame's not going anywhere. Hate week is coming up. Bowl game is coming up. Notre Dame has not lost a game in 2022 ever. So remember that. Port, a very important analytic there. Uh, so other than that, go Irish. Beat. I don't want to say beat Christmas because <laughs> it'd be bad. But uh, 
Go Irish, win the holidays, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip. Bang. All right.